This episode is brought to you by Manscaped. Manscaped is the premier male grooming company with the star Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer, and we want to be able to share the savings with you, our awesome listeners. So you can use the promo code BLUECHIP, all one word, to get 20% off your next order. Don't let your balls down. Get the Lawnmower 3.0. Your balls will thank you. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Big Shots NFL Draft Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Renation. I am joined, as always, by my colleague over at Blue Chip Scouting, the one and only Devin Jackson. Devin, how are you today? Doing pretty good, man. Uh, it's, uh, it's a cold day in uh, Illinois as we're recording this, nine degrees. So. Oh, it's a cold day in Toronto, too. Don't you worry. Don't you yeah. worry. Yeah, not not ideal uh, weather conditions, but other than that, doing pretty good, man. It was, a, it was actually a good weekend of football. Um, I know you're excited to just leave Illinois and leave the cold behind you and get back to, to New Orleans where it's like 60 degrees. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Devin is not equipped for the cold. Devin thought he was, he had escaped the cold when he left Pennsylvania to go live in New Orleans again. Yeah, I mean, I know it's going to have to come back to the cold eventually, so. <laughs> He just doesn't like the cold. He's like me. I was born here and I in the cold, and I don't like it. So, yeah, the f- the first few days it's like okay, you know, it's, it's a little bit different, but but now it's like yeah, it's getting miserable. So, so uh, when we last spoke on Thursday night or Friday's podcast, we did all of the games up to the thirtieth, except for the Wisconsin Arizona State game, which of course had not kicked off yet so we have that game plus the new year's eve games plus the new year's six games and uh what devin and i are going to be completely honest we already previewed the lsu kansas state game um so we're not going to talk about it even though it has not kicked off by the time you're listening to it just go back to uh to friday's podcast to listen to that i can't believe that game is a 9 p.m kickoff i would love to know why why does it need to be that why does it, why do we need to have one on like January 4th? So far removed from the other games. You could, you could have just made it during the day today, honestly. You could have made that, uh, a game to play last, last Friday. Like you could have made that game on like, on like the 30th or the 29th. It does not need to be the fact that there are bowl games on after the college football playoff makes no sense to me. Yeah. Like, the college football playoff game should be the last three ones played. It should be, but you know how it goes. Um. So, yeah, we're going to review. Uh, Devin, have you done much in the way of, of, of prospect analysis lately while you've been on vacation? Um, I got a couple guys done, like two or three. Um, okay, so we'll talk about some prospects after we, we, we do the games. Before we get into those games... Guys, this is becoming a, a running gag at this point. I still have not recorded the ad read. So a reminder that today's episode is brought to you by our friends over at jerseyhouse.ca. They ship anywhere in the world. Use the code BIGSHOTS to get 15% off and help give back to the podcast. You've heard me read this ad read several times, despite there not being one. Uh, it is coming. I swear. It's, it, it actually is going to show up at one point. It's probably going to be here by next week. Um, and then speaking of next week, uh, later this week on Friday's podcast, Devin and I are actually going to um, break down the new recording schedule for the foreseeable future as my uh, semester has uh, changed up my schedule quite a bit. Uh, no longer am I able to record on Mondays due to having the full day off. Uh, so Devin and I are in the next couple of days going to be breaking down when we can actually record and still keep the two podcast a week thing going. And we've got guests coming up, whether they're media, we've got some players lined up. It's just going to be a very fun couple of months as we trudge towards the draft in May, which still sounds weird to say, but that extra week of the NFL screwed everything up. Yeah, it, it's, uh, I mean, it's good for the NFL because now, like, literally the last spots in each conference are going to be decided next week, but also... Eagles made the playoffs, yeah. which 
I mean, that that surprised me. I thought this team was a max six or seven win team. They're at nine and seven. Yeah. But uh, yeah. other than that, I mean, like, do do we really need Saturday night games, man? Like, they, they put we the Cowboys not. and what was it, Eagles on Saturday night? Like, oh, Jesus. Like, both of them are in the playoffs. They're not going to really improve their seating. What's the point? You know? So I don't know, man. It, I, I see what they're trying to do, but also it's annoying. It's, a, it's an yeah. extra week and yeah, it's, it's stupid. Uh, so why don't we talk about this, uh, Arizona State versus, uh, Wisconsin? This was the Las Vegas Bowl and Devin, I'm going to be totally honest with you. Uh, I threw this one on on Thursday night, and I think by halftime I was asleep. Um, this was not a fun game to watch. This really was not fun to watch. Wisconsin did win twenty to thirteen. It, I mean, Braylon Allen for being a seventeen year old is nuts. He's obviously the next man up in that Wisconsin running back factory that they've got going there. Yeah, this, this Arizona one, State's offense is anemic. They've lost a lot of players to the draft or to the transfer portal. They're on their third string running back for this game because Rashad White's declared for the draft. Um, Trainum has transferred to Ohio State to become a linebacker. Uh, Jaden Daniels still not good. Still not good. Yeah, I think it's it's time to punt on him. Um, it it just is getting to a point where he's just not. Consistent enough, man. And I don't know if it's the offense. I don't know if it's just his development, but he is taking a step back since his freshman year. And when he like exploded on the scene, I mean, he, he just hasn't improved any, any bit, but this game liked a lot of explosive plays. Braylon Allen obviously had the big game, but other than that, it was, it was pretty methodical <clears throat> moving the ball, lots of running. Uh, just, just not really a fun game. Yeah. No, this one, this one was not great. Uh, it, it was a typical Wisconsin game, though. I mean, they controlled the clock, they ran the ball a lot, and they played decent defense. Now, I hate the way ESPN lays out their scoreboard, and I've mentioned this a lot. It always goes by ranking. But we're, I'm obviously not going to lead off with the college football playoff games and then try to get everyone all excited about that, then talk about, like, I don't know, Central Michigan and, and Washington State. No offense to those two schools. But you kind of can't follow a college football playoff game with that. So let's talk about Central Michigan and Washington State, Devin. Um, I was actually out getting my booster shot while this game was going on, and I was doing it downtown. So I was nowhere near a television, so I didn't get a chance to watch this game. You tell me what happened. Yeah, uh, I watched this game. Uh, it was it's pretty much dominated by Central Michigan in that first half because uh, they got out to a 21 nothing lead and, and pretty much coasted to the finish line. But Washington State, man, uh, the quarterback, what's his name? Shaden Delora. Oh, yeah. Deloria, yeah. Yeah, he had a awful game. He was not, he did not play well. So, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Deloria is their regular starter, yes. right? Yep. Jarrett Garantano is his backup, right? Yep. And Jarrett Garantano skipped this bowl game. Yep, he opted out. Because he didn't want to strain a hamstring holding the clipboard? Nobody knows. Like, I'm very confused as to why a backup quarterback did, like would declare for the draft and then skip the bowl game. Like, I don't know. Yeah, he he's a, a strange character, but uh, the third string came. Also, in not and, good. So yeah, the third string came in. He did he did an okay job. Uh, led them back and, and put them within striking distance. But Lou Nichols, the third man, Central Michigan running back. He he's a he's a major player. I, I mean, he could declare now and I think get drafted, but uh, he's just a redshirt sophomore. Um, so we'll see what he does, but. Uh, the two uh, senior bowl tackles didn't play in this game either, and they still ran all over uh, Washington State. So uh, that just shows you, you know, he, he did his thing. And then uh, Central Michigan linebacker Troy Brown, who I've uh, liked since the summer, he, he had a pretty good game too. 
really disruptive, uh, making plays and coverage. So uh, a lot of the guys that uh, I was looking forward to in this game, they, they played pretty well. Um, so, so it was a good win for Central Michigan. I mean, it was a crazy week for them. They started it in uh, Arizona because they were supposed to play in a, uh, that bowl game against Boise. And then they had to take the bus down to El Paso for this game. So they, they got it done. Yeah. Um, I, I genuinely don't, don't know what to say about this bowl game. <laughs> I straight up haven't watched it. Uh, we had the Gator Bowl, which was Rutgers versus Wake Forest. I mean, kudos to Rutgers for stepping up on short notice, but I mean, did anyone think that they were going to be able to, to compete with, with the number 17 ranked team in the nation when they were stepping in for Texas A&M? Like th- this was a clear mismatch. This should, I appreciate the Gator Bowl for finding a suitable replacement to be able to step in on short notice and play the game, but this was never going to be competitive. Wake Forest beats them 38 to 10. Sam Hartman, 23 of 39 for 304, three touchdowns. A.T. Perry, 10 catches, 127, and another score. Wake Forest just kicked them into the dirt. Yeah, this wasn't a fair matchup. You know, Rutgers, they were already in transition mode, getting ready for the offseason. Get the call. I mean, even if they played the perfect game, I still think they would have found a way to lose because they, they're just not there in terms of talent and uh, just cohesiveness. But they were going to be losing a lot of uh, defensive prospects for the NFL, so I'll be interested to see what happens over the next couple of years and see how they kind of grow the program. But, I mean, it was it was a good appearance for them. I mean, that's a step in the right direction, but uh, Wake Forest dominated that game. Yeah, uh, just an absolute shit kicking let's talk about the college football playoff games Devin um I mean kudos to Cincinnati Th- this could have been a lot worse than it ended up being Alabama controlled the game on the ground the entire game Brian Robinson picked a great game to have his uh you know a career day 26 carries 204 Bama just decided to play with their food in this one and didn't really matter 27 to 6. Obviously, there's the Saban photo making its way around the the internet where, like, he just looks completely unfazed that they won. Right. Well, I mean, when you won as much as he did, this game don't matter anymore. I like. No, it doesn't. Like, think about like, that. It, it, like, it matters. There's... It matters, like, because they have to win the game, but it doesn't matter if they win, you know, necessarily, because they're, like, they're always looking for the national championship. They don't care about. Yeah making it to a national championship. They want to win it. So Yeah, Saban, Saban's got like seven rings, and six of them are with Bama. Yeah, so, I mean, he he said, I, I'm ready for the next one. But, yeah, it, I you mean. You cut out there entirely. I didn't hear a word you just said. Oh, I was just saying, uh, you know, it. that's that's kind of his mindset. But, uh, you know, when you look at Cincinnati, I, I, don't, I just don't get the people who are like, yeah, I'd rather have Notre Dame in the game. No. Like no man, like we still we saw them last year, and they scored. We saw no them points. last year, and they got they they got beat even worse by Alabama, and the same Notre Dame team lost. Like they lost to Cincinnati head to head, like mm-hmm. that was their chance to make it. What are we talking also, about? Also, also, I all right, I want to know where you're at with this because because this leads perfectly into into Georgia and Michigan which also wasn't very competitive. Georgia wins 34 to 11. There are people that are like now very against the college football playoff because we got Georgia versus Alabama. And you know what? At first I was upset because I'm like, we've already seen this game. I don't want to see it again. The first one was, you know, you know, was a bad game for Georgia. They got absolutely destroyed. Do I want to see a college football playoff where all three games are blowouts? No, no, I don't. But, at the same time, like the BCS would have just given us Alabama versus Michigan, and then exactly. that probably would that would have that would have been a blowout. And then like, but the thing is, is that like the top two teams in the nation this year genuinely are Alabama and Georgia. There's no denying that. Well, and we've the, known that the entire year. Well, the thing is, like, I get we want parity. I get we want to be different and have different things happen every year, but. You cannot stop the best teams from being the best teams. You just yeah, can't stop like, that. You, you, know? you can't – with the way the playoff is designed, it's 
It's so that we get the best two teams. And if that means that the best two teams are that far and away better than the other two teams that made the playoff, so be it. Now, I think that these games are a great uh, uh, argument for why we shouldn't expand the college football playoff. Because well, all yeah, that would result in is just more blowouts. Right. Well, you know, maybe the like the the five through eight seeds, they would be, play a better game. But genuinely, the top four teams are usually the top four teams. In now, here, the but, but if you went to an eight-team playoff, then great. You have the four seed versus the eight seed playing, you know, a, a nice competitive game and all. But then what are they playing for? They're playing for the right to get annihilated by an Alabama, a Georgia in most years, a Clemson or an Ohio State. Yeah. So, I mean, like, look. You're just, want... all you end up with is just, okay, great. So we get four more games, which puts more players at risk for injury. Right. And then they get destroyed anyways. It just keep it at four. Keep it at four. Yeah, four. We, I, we've said this before on this podcast where the college football playoff already has an issue with blowouts. Well, if you think about it, if they expand it to eight teams, they're just going to find a way to put three SEC teams in there. You want to know why? Because genuinely, Devin, there's going to be three teams in the SEC that deserve it. Yeah. Most years. Yeah, so it's like you're you're not going to do. You're damned if you don't. But Georgia just – Michigan had no answer – we, you know what? We were very wrong in the prediction on this one because we said Ojabo and, and Hutchinson would give the Georgia offensive line fits. And it was the other way around. Aiden Hutchinson was a complete non-factor in this game. And uh, listen, draft Twitter completely overreacted to this game. Completely overreacted. As you, I mean, when does draft Twitter ever react to a game normally? <laughs> like people are, were like, oh my God, like people could have Aiden Hutchinson as the number one player in this class going into this game. And, like, how do you even draft him after this game? Okay, relax, all right? You guys want to talk about how great Nicholas Pettit Frere is? Well, uh, Aiden, put, Aiden Hutchinson put him in a freaking blender for the entire game. Well, first of all, Georgia had a month to prepare, okay? Let, let's get that out of the way. Most of the time in NFL, you do not have a month to prepare for somebody yeah. at all. Like, come on, like – and look, he had a bad game. He didn't have – I don't want to say he had a bad game. He just didn't have his tip. He's played so out of the realm of his, you know, that we think he will play that him having a average game is, like, the worst thing in the world. Yeah, and, he, like, he, literally I was seeing, like, this game needs – you know, should knock Aiden Hutchinson out of round one. And I'm like, are, are you on crack? Are you well, on crack? Well, think about Jameis Winston's last ever game. Dude fumbled. Like he had the the most memeable fumble against Oregon back in the college football playoff. Like the think about most of Jameis's last year at Florida State. Yeah, he like throwing, he was throwing picks. Uh, you he still won. Florida State was yeah. So like, look, you you have one bad game. It's okay to have a bad game. To me, that's a good thing because you now yeah. you see what happens when he's off. You know. He, like, he's dude, not as effective, but that doesn't mean he's not a good player. Like, and the thing is, is I, I, it sucks about the timing, but there are also players out there that we'll talk about in when we talk about draft players over the course of the year, where their worst game comes against a team you would never expect it to be, where the competition, like they should absolutely feast on them, and they don't. And there's a player that I've ta- that I'm going to talk about later today where that is the case. It's fine. It's one game. If it becomes a pattern, there's a problem. Yeah, man. Look, it, it's all we always. And Georgia this. schemed on taking away Ojabo and, and Hutchinson, and they did that, which is why they won by 23 points. And you also have to think this happens every year, man. Like we we had this same conversation about Panay Sewell. It was like, oh, is he actually that good? Why does he fall so much? And then Slater is like, oh, he just had one good game against Ohio State. And and it's like a long running list of of people finding holes Trevor Lawrence. Why did he, why did he throw some interceptions in the first couple games of the 2020 season? Right. It's like or we, the 2019 season or whatever it was. Like it, it's 
every year this happens. Like literally, it's like, oh, well, as a sophomore in like the first three weeks, Trevor Lawrence threw a combined two interceptions in his first three games. So like, why is he any good? Justin Fields doesn't, blah, 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 blah. Is Justin Fields really good, good as an athlete? Yes. Like just these stupid discussion points that are only there to get clicks. Now, yeah. the one thing I will say uh, in terms of a big takeaway from this game, Devin, is that Nicobe Dean is not Patrick Willis. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. Don't get me wrong. Nicobe Dean is a phenomenal linebacker. I think he's going to be a mid, like a, a late first round, early second round player. You can't be, you can't be throwing up comps to, to Hall of Famers, man. It's reckless. Yeah, it it's it's not a good look. But look, man, uh, back to the game. Like Michigan, I mean, they they really had no answer, man. And, and to be honest, when Georgia's defense is playing like that, there's really not many teams in the country that can beat them. You know, I mean, literally Alabama may be the only one that matches up with them in the country. Seriously. It, they are but, like that, that'll be a good game because like Georgia's gonna have the bad taste in the mouth from getting absolutely demolished in the SEC championship game, and they're not gonna want to get their ass kicked twice, and they're gonna have learned from that. We'll see, man. I, I'm Kirby Smart is gonna have the coach's best game. That's all I have to say. Yeah, no, that that that's absolutely the case. However, we like. What are we gonna do? Seriously, what are we gonna do for this? Like, I don't know. By the way, we're gonna have to figure out. We'll, we'll probably release a podcast on Monday uh, to cover that game, rather than than previewing it on the Thursday. That makes sense. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about these New Year's Six games. Let's breeze through the first couple because uh, I don't have any talking points on Arkansas State and Penn. Uh, sorry, Arkansas and Penn State. And uh, Iowa and Kentucky. So, anything on either of those two games you want to talk about? Uh, Parker Washington for Penn State. Wandale Robinson with the greatest photo of all time. Oh, yeah, true. Both of them had spectacular games. Um, and then uh, Jair, uh, Jair Brown, the safety for Penn State, I think he's a dude, too, uh, to, to watch. He's for, for next year, right? Yeah. Him and Parker Washington, both for next year. Uh, but... This this is going to be bold, but I think both have a chance to go even higher than Brisker and uh, Jahan Dotson. Oh, don't don't let don't let uh, Captain Smurf or whatever his name well, is. Whatever, uh, I don't care. I I think <laughs> no, seriously though, Parker Washington is insane. I think he's a better athlete than Jahan Dotson for real. Uh, sure. I, I didn't watch either of these games. I had better things to do on my New Year's than, than watch two games where I had no interest going into it. Uh, Oklahoma State, Notre Dame, Devin. I told you this was going to be a game, but we thought that this was going to be low scoring. It, it, it was not. Uh, Jack Cohn threw the ball 68 times for 500 yards. Jack Cohn threw the ball 68 times. I didn't even know if he had thrown 68 times all season. Yeah, it was, uh, I didn't watch the first half actually, so I have no idea what happened the first half. I watched the second half though. Okay. So but... I watched, I watched the condensed version of this because I believe I was out doing something on, I was either out doing something or I was watching the Sopranos and I can't remember which one I was doing instead. Um, but yeah, Notre Dame, they just, the thing is, is the touchdowns he was throwing in the first half were like, over the middle of the field, but like Trey Sterling and Colby Harvell Peel just weren't there to make a tackle. And they were just long touchdown throws that way. And Notre Dame got off to a very hot start. They were up like 28 to 7, I think, at one point. And it looked like Notre Dame's just going to coast. And then in the second half, like Oklahoma State's passing game actually opened for the first time all season. Like Spencer Sanders had a good game. He threw for like 300 and ran for 125. And Don, uh, uh, Tay Martin gets two touchdowns as well. And they just slowly started coming back. And the Kobe Harvell Peel, you know, uh, you know, um, play where he just stood up the running back and stole the ball from him is amazing. Brand guys circa 2019. It's yeah. just nuts. It, it was honestly insane to watch. 
Oklahoma State comes back. It was just, oh, it was such a fun game. That was a game fitting of the Fiesta Bowl. Yeah, Tay Martin had a big game. Uh, Kobe Harvell Peel, he had a really good game too. Trey Sterling had a good game, which is good because that's his last career game he has declared for the draft, which made me go back and find a clip from, I think when the, like in around the beginning stages of the pandemic, Devin, where I was studying him for the next year. And, uh, I, I think I was watching Colby Harvell Peel, I think. And, on the play, it was like a swing pass out to whichever, I think it might have been, uh, who was the Oklahoma kid that transferred to, uh, to Ohio? Oh, you're talking about, uh, Trey Sermon. I think it was a swing pass out to Trey Sermon. And like, Trey Sterling just like almost beheaded him. Yeah. You know exactly the play I'm talking about. Yeah. Be a Harville Peel, man. I think he has a chance to be really good in the league, man. As a as a true free safety, I think he has the range to do it. Uh, and you know what? He's 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 cleaned up his tackling. He's not he's not a great tackler, but like he's not Gerard Holliman. Yeah. Do you well, remember him? Yeah. Do you remember Gerard Holliman? Yeah, I do. Uh, from Louisville, right? Yeah, the guy that had like eleven picks, but like made ten career tackles and went undrafted. Well, what about uh, Harvey Clemens too on that same team? God, that Josh Harvey team. Clemens. Oh, oh, he was, was the he first. Like six he was five or something. Yeah, he was like a six four safety. He was one of the first guys that the league went like, okay, so you're a safety that has no coverage ability. Guess what you're becoming? You're becoming a linebacker. Right. <laughs> no, but uh, Harvey Opie, I really do think he he has a chance to be like a mid round, early day three pick, and I I think he could play within a year or two, like be a. Uh, like a rotational guy or even a starter. I think he, he's that good on the back end. He made a couple of plays against Notre Dame. I was like, damn, you know, like the, the last play to end the game, he came from like almost the, the middle of the hash and tipped the ball away. So that, that showed great range. And then he gets some solid reps in man to man against Michael Mayer. So, so he, he has some skills, man. And that's one of the best tight ends in the country. Yep. No, I'm, I'm glad Oklahoma State pulled off the W on this one. Uh, you know, I, I, I had my doubts coming in, but about, about their offense. But you know what? It was their defense that let them down a little bit, but made plays when they needed to. And then the Rose Bowl. The Rose Bowl is another one where you just always hope for just absolute insanity. And we definitely got that. Utah, Ohio State. Excuse me. Ohio State comes back from down like three scores. CJ Stratt throws for 573 yards. Jackson Smith and Jigba catches for 347 and three touchdowns. We said that this game was, we said smash the under on this game, didn't we? They, they, they did not. <laughs> By the end of the first half, it was already over. <laughs> no. But oh my God. This was the best game of the weekend by far. Um, without a doubt. Like this, they had like, five touchdowns in like an 11 or 12 play stretch. It was insane. Like they were trading body blows like that. The, the return of Co- Covey for Utah, he had a fantastic game uh, as a returner. So incompetent to Matthew Slater. Cause like, that's kind of the, the skill set he brings. Uh, but he had a monster game. Uh, Utah in general did honestly, the game kind of changed when Cam Cam rising went out with a concussion, unfortunately, but, Utah had no answer for Ohio State's offense. C.S. Stroud played the best game in his career by far. Uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba, this man had 300 yards receiving. Uh, it, it was a ridiculous game. Uh, definitely the funnest of the weekend, without a doubt. Um, but, but there was a lot of future NFL players in this game. Oh, God, um, still, uh, uh, here's the thing. That's, someone kept saying, uh, Noah Sewell when talking about the Utah linebacker. That's not Noah Sewell. That's it's, his other brother. It's Nephi Sewell. Yeah. I saw I saw like 17 people call him Noah Sewell, and it got me irrationally angry. It's like, just look up the roster, man. It's like, everyone knows Noah Sewell's at Oregon, man. Yeah, but no, uh, it was a, it was a good game. I mean, Devin Lloyd still had a solid game, but they were just throwing, like, right behind him the whole game. It, he had nothing. He couldn't do nothing. I mean, it was perfect ball placement. So... Uh, Stroud had a great game. Um, you know, Brent Keith, he actually had a solid game for Utah. Dalton Kincaid. He's going back, I heard. Yeah, he is. Which is depressing, but. I swear he's going to be like 38 by the time he declares. Another summer of 19 guy. Good grief. Uh, the main event for, for New Year's Day could not have been better. Uh, Baylor and Ole Miss. 
can I? I haven't done this in a while, Devin. I haven't gone on a rant. Can I go on a rant? Am I allowed to go on a rant? Go All right, Devin's giving me a thumbs up. The sun was blocking it, so I couldn't tell. Uh, I don't know why Joe Tessitore decided the only thing that needed to be talked about in the first half was that Matt Corral didn't opt out of the game. So obviously, second drive of the game, Matt Corral goes down with, I want to say it was a high ankle sprain. It looked like it was a high ankle sprain. It didn't look like it was too serious. Like, obviously enough to, to keep him out of the game, make sure that he doesn't aggravate it, but I don't think there's been any reports of, like, anything breaking or any sort of tear, which is good, which is really good. It would have really sucked to see him go down with a, a severe injury in a bowl game that I'm sorry. I know it's a new Year's six game. If it's not the college football playoff, it's not as important. It, it's just a, a matter of fact, but good grief. Joe Tessitore in the first half, Devin must have talked about and must have said, and I quote, Matt Corral talked about he didn't even think about opting out of this game. He owed it to his players. And you know what? He did it the right way, like 37 times. I actually counted at one point, Devin, and I lost track in the second half when he had hit it 40 times. Between him and Kirk Herbstreet, they basically ruined New Year's Day. Yeah, that's why I'm glad I didn't listen to any I didn't watch the video Kirk like to me man look I'm I'm not with this whatever I don't care if it's their opinion I don't care if it's uh what executives told them to say like no in no world is it good to say you know these players are selfish and and they're not thinking about their team and they did it they don't love football Herb Street said this generation of athlete doesn't love football whatever man Well, here's the thing is that he and Desmond Howard were were the ones that said this on game day. And, you know, Kirk Herbstreet's, oh, well, like, you know, they don't they don't care about football. And he later he later clarified that some athletes care about football, but most don't. That's not because they're opting out of bowl games to make sure that they don't get hurt in what is essentially an in what is an exhibition game. And Desmond Howard is talking about, well, back in my day, that wasn't an option. Well, here's the thing, and I'm going to break this down for both of them. I'm going to start with Kirk Herbstreit. Kirk Herbstreit should not be allowed to tell any college player what to do when it comes to opting out of the bowl games for their own safety, for for their best interest to keep themselves healthy so that they can make the most money at the NFL level. Because Kirk Herbstreet threw a career five touchdowns and 11 interceptions. The NFL was laughing at Kirk Herbstreet when he put out his feeler for where he would go in the draft because they wouldn't even let him fill the ice buckets, okay? He would have been an absolute nobody in the NFL. And if it weren't for the fact that he lucked into a job at ESPN, he'd literally be selling insurance right now. As for Desmond Howard... The whole, oh, back in my day, you would never skip out on a bowl game. Well, you know, Desmond Howard played college football in the 1990s. Do you know how many bowl games there were when, when Desmond Howard was in, was in college? Do you want to take a guess? Eight, ten. There, there were 13 his last year of, of, of college football. There are 43 now. And by the way, 42 of them are aired by ESPN, the network that these guys just so happen to work for. I understand it, it hurts your ratings that guys that, that like Kyle Hamilton and, um, uh, uh, you know, whoever else, Kyle Hamilton or in, in past years, we've seen, you know, guys that are projected going round one opt out of the bowl game. You want to know why? Ask Jalen Smith how well played in, you know, in a meaningless bowl game. Yeah. He was guaranteed to go top 10. He fell out of the first round and his body was never the same after that ACL tear. He almost, you know, he had to basically relearn how to walk. His was catastrophically bad. Right. And that's what these players are, are, you know, are doing for games that don't matter. And here's the thing. ESPN spends the entire season talking about the college football playoff. They only talk about how if, if you don't make the college football playoff, your season doesn't matter. And then they turn around and when a kid opts out of a game because, hey, we didn't make the college football playoff and I'm projected to go in the top 15. Oh, he's selfish. Well, you've already told him for the entire season the college football playoff is the only thing that matters. If you don't make college football playoff, you might as well have not played this year. Yeah, I mean, at least in the BCS era, they actually were talking about 
the Rose Bowl and Orange Bowl. Like now they just said it's college football playoff or bust. So to yeah, me, for every team. Now, now, okay. Listen, if a player wants to play in one of these in one of these non, you know, non college football playoff bowl games, obviously I respect that. Obviously I respect that. Do do what you think is best. If you want to opt out of a bowl game because hey, I'm projected to go top top fifty. You know, I'm projected to go top, you know, first round. I respect that too. Do whatever you think is in your best interest. Do you remember when this first started happening? When like people were holding it against these yep. players come yep. draft? Like, yep. like maybe Leonard Fournette falls out of round one because he nope. opted out of the bowl game. He did not. The funny thing is, is that like that first year where this started happening, we saw some weird opt-outs. Like Lake Seastrunk from Baylor, who went undrafted, who was probably going to go undrafted regardless, opted out of a bowl game. There was a defensive tackle from Oklahoma State, Vincent Taylor, who opted out midway through the season. Yeah. <laughs> like, we've at least now gotten to the point where it's guys that are going top 50 are opting out. Mostly first-round guys. Yeah. But well, don't give me this, don't give me this crap about like, oh, well, you know, doing it the right way. And these other athletes that do this are skipped. Shut up, Joe Tessitore. This doesn't affect you in the least. Yeah. I mean, when, when you think about it though, it's like most of these players, I mean, they're, it, it's, it's really not that important. And, and if you think about evaluation, like how many people are actually watching a bowl game? to evaluate a player most of the time that's not, you know no. so to me that really doesn't matter because <clears throat> you know you're in an environment you're never going to be in again in the bowl game like you're playing somewhere you likely won't play again uh you're playing against a team that you most likely will never play in any other circumstance and like no like you, outside you of the college this? football Outside of the college football playoff games and maybe some of the New Year's Six games, like scouts are not going to those games. They're not going to show up in those games. Use this. Hey, you know what? Player X opted out, you know, uh, for the NFL draft. But what this has done for this team is they now know where they're set up at that position for next year as a result. And then you're already, you've created a discussion about a different player for next season already. You're going to see the guy he's replacing in the NFL, but you're now going to see early what you have at that position next year. There's well, a way to do this. Well, this isn't well, hard. Well, let's also talk about the games that got canceled and yeah. those players didn't even get to play, you know? So it's like you're criticizing people for choosing not to play for their safety. Plus COVID is running rampant. We're, are we going to pretend like that's not running rampant? Like players are concerned about that. And then three, like players are getting told three hours before the game that the game is not happening. So like there are a lot of like layers to that. Like you cannot just slander a player because they're choosing not to play when there is so many things still it's, COVID going on. It, there's still, you know, uh coaches leaving. Like no one talks about coaches thing, leaving yeah. before a bowl game either. So Brian Kelly was, was, was introduced as LSU's head coach back in November. Yeah. And they made it to the Fiesta Bowl. So like, I don't no one gave hear, him shit. I don't want to hear nothing about uh players making their own choices when coaches say bye. I, I'm, also, I'm also really happens. fed up. I'm also really fed up with the people with the the Twitter people that go like, oh well, like you know, yeah, uh, 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 Kyle Hamilton uh, opted out of the bowl game. He should he should have to reimburse Notre Dame the entire cost of his four year scholarship. Just like that's a weird energy. It's the same type of people that like will randomly come to the defense of like Elon Musk or or, or Jeff Bezos for not paying taxes. It's the same energy to me. Yeah, well, we can move on though. Let's move on. Why don't we take a break? When we come back, Devin and I are going to talk about maybe two or three players because we want on a bit of a lengthy range. It's over at Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the planet for whatever your needs are. With nine amazing flavors to choose from, all of which covered in 100% chocolate. Oh, by the way, guys, they have several monthly special offer bars as well all of which have up to 19 grams of protein with only 4 grams of added sugar and 4 grams of net carbs. Built Bar has whatever you're looking for, whether you're looking for a delicious snack, a pre- or post-workout bar, or need to keep up with your macros, Built Bar is a top-of-the-first-round protein bar. See what I did there? Draft puns. 
Head on over to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code BIGSHOTS for 10% off your next order. That's BIGSHOTS, all one word, 10% off your next order. All right, we're back, Devin. I figured we could each go back and forth, give a quick uh, synopsis on a couple of players we've either uh, sent out scouting reports or have written up scouting reports about that we've – because we haven't done this in a couple of weeks. Uh, and by the way, BlueChipScouting.com, check the – check out bluechipscout.com because we're releasing hella scouting reports every day. So, Devin, do you want to get us started? Yeah, uh, I ended up doing uh, San Diego State running back Greg Bell because uh, he was a name uh, that declared, I think, a week or two ago. And uh, he's a guy that I've kind of uh, kept tabs on throughout the season, a former Nebraska running back. Um, I think he had, he missed the, I want to say it was a 2019 season with an eye injury. And then he transferred. Eye injury. Yeah. I think, I've, I, think I said that the last time you mentioned that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but he missed the entire 2019 season with that. He started off at community college and then went to Nebraska and now San Diego state. Um, he's a very compact runner, uh, very North and South, uh, really no nonsense type of running back. Uh, he gets downhill pretty quickly. Uh, I think he fits best in a zone scheme system. I think he does a good job pressing the line of scrimmage and, and following his double team blocks and, uh, you know, getting vertical and, and getting yards. Uh, found that he bounces outside quite a bit, uh, on running plays, even when there's nothing there on the outside. Uh, don't, doesn't, don't think he has like elite speed or, or change of pace speed. I think he has uh, a pretty average speed in terms of, uh, acceleration and, and getting into the open field. Uh, he has some pretty good reps in pass pro, uh, wasn't really consistent, but, uh, he did a good job like squaring up and, and, you know, taking away, uh, blissing linebackers. Uh, but there were also times where he just kind of stood around and, and didn't do a whole bunch either in pass pro. So low and consistent there. Uh, didn't do much in terms of passing, the passing game and receiving, but they didn't really ask him to. So I, I didn't really deduct him too many points for that because uh, I think he's shown the ability to catch the ball. They just don't ask him to. Um, so I, I think that could be something he adds to, to his game at the NFL level. Uh, but overall, I thought he was a, a, a solid player. Like, not, I don't think he's draftable per se because I gave him a UDFA grade, but, uh, I do think he's one of those guys that can get into camp and, uh, impress coaches and, and get into a rotation and be, uh, a rotational guy, uh, at the, the next level, uh, as a, a zone scheme type of running back that, uh, you know, kind of specializes early on, probably in short yard situations and, uh, you know, like the transition parts of, of a drive where they rotate running back. So I, I think it was solid, but, but not anything too special. I'll start off with my first one, Devin. I've, I've been a little critical over, uh, of him over the course of the season. So I was actually really excited to sit down and watch Brees Hall in depth from Iowa State, get some all, uh, some all 22. And of course, get a little bit more eyes on him. I ended up watching the Baylor game, the Northern Iowa game the game against Iowa, and the Kansas State game. Now, I will say this. Against Northern Iowa and Iowa, he had kind of pedestrian games. I think he put up like 70 yards rushing on both. Obviously scored a touchdown in both because he scored in, I think, 22 consecutive games or something like that. Absolute absurdity. But against Baylor and against Kansas State, he put up 197 yards on Baylor and over 200 on Kansas State. Uh, So... And those are two good defenses. So I was a little surprised that like Northern Iowa kind of stifled him a little bit, but Baylor and Kansas State had no answer for him. Um, listen, he's really, he's still got really good vision. I think it took a slight step back compared to 20, uh, uh, compared to like 2020, 2019, but he's still very patient, waits for his blocks to develop and, um, you know, you know, regularly. But this year there were times where he just kind of rushed without really surveying what was there. It, he's got he's got solid vision. I wouldn't say it's like a vision like I probably would have coming into the year. Uh, I think that for a back his size at 220, I'd like to see him break more tackles. Um, he's very much an upright runner, which limits him a little bit, but he goes down at first contact quite a bit. Uh, definitely improved in the pass catching area this year. Um, he had a career high this year. He's got 82 career catches which is a, a decent amount, but like we've seen star running backs at the NFL in college where they just aren't used in the passing game. So it's good to see that it's there. Um, 
change of direction skills. To quote our friend Carter Donick, Devin, he can stop on a nickel. Okay. <laughs> no, he, he's got really good change of direction skills, cutbacks, uh, very agile, uh, really creative runner. Um, and he's always looking to break off like the big 70 yard touchdown runs. And he did that in like pretty much every game this year. That was my big criticism is that, you know, we'd see 115 yards, but like his longest would be 52. And, you know, when I actually got to sit down and watch every, every carry that he did during these games, it's like the reason he was getting three or four yards was because of his, his, you know, his ability to take some of these, get these plays that should have been five yard losses and turn them into three yard gains. Uh, don't think he's got the greatest long speed, but what impressed me, Devin is, I mean, he, he's, had 250 carries this year, lost two fumbles, which is okay. But, like, those are his only fumbles in his career, and he's had 800 touches. 800 touches in three years. Uh, I think he's going to be – I think his improvement in the passing game has made him a three-down back. Um, I think this might sound a little lazy, but he does profile a lot similar to uh, David Montgomery out of Iowa State a couple years ago. I think that this is someone in – Late round two, early round three, maybe you can probably have him as a lead back. I have no issues with him. I thought maybe I would be a little lower on him in that like three to four range, but he ended up being a, a, a solid day two grade for me. Gotcha. Yeah, I forgot to mention with Greg Bell that he had a fumbling issue too. So that that kind of uh, it, it was an was a red flag for me and kind of led to uh, him being a UDFA pick. But, yeah, uh, Bruce Hall's been impressive. Uh, someone that I kind of watched. I watched a little bit uh, during the middle of the season. Like the Baylor-Iowa State game was pretty fun uh, to watch for his film. But, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to getting probably getting to him later in, in the draft process uh, once I start uh, getting through some of these Mountain West and Mac guys. But, uh for my next guy that I did, uh, I finalized Cole Turner. I've been talking about it for a while, but uh, I actually sat down and, and finalized his grade. Uh, he's a he's a big time red zone threat. He he uh, you know catches a lot of passes. A lot of his touchdowns came on uh, goal line phase. They they throw that quite a bit at Nevada, and he was on the receiving end at least six or seven touchdowns. He had uh, were from fades, uh, goal line fades. Uh, and, you know, I was overall impressed with his uh, kind of skill set, his, his body, uh, just how he can catch over the middle and make tough catches. But uh, I do have some concerns about him, uh, which which kind of led to a lower grade than I expected. Um, you know, he, he's not a great separator uh, at the point of attack. Uh, you know, and to me, he looks like he has the profile to, to be a better, a better separator than he is, but he, he rounds off a lot of his routes and uh, it's not really crisp route running. Uh, which which is okay, but uh, you know when you're uh, a guy that's supposed to be going you know uh, top two top three rounds, I expected a little bit more. Um, and then also uh, you know I I didn't love his blocking, uh, especially in line. I thought he got handled at the the point of attack pretty pretty often, um, and, and he would struggle in those one on one blocks uh, against defensive ends, outside linebackers. Uh, to to move them off the ball, like he he will get in front of them and at least make an effort. But I think his technique needs some work. Uh, hands are always like outside of the frame when he's blocking. Uh, and then you know, just I I just wasn't super impressed with you know kind of his speed and and athleticism. Uh, you know, off the ball, I thought he was a little slow off the ball. Uh, you know, he ran a lot of mesh concepts, so he was like. Uh, in that intermediate range. And I think he's at his best in kind of that intermediate range of, of the field, like 10, 15 yards down the field. But he's not really a vertical stretch type of guy. Like he can make catches down the seam, but he's not stressing defenses with his speed per se. I don't think he's going to be consistently running past linebackers at the next level, uh, which makes me think his ceiling is probably a tight end two or three. I don't think he can be the main guy in the offense, the NFL offense. And I think he, he'll be great in like an, an outside zone type of scheme offense where he runs that like intermediate drag route or he's, you know, kind of attacking the middle of the field and, and sitting and uh, finding holes in the zone. Um, and not necessarily someone that's going to line up as a single receiver because I don't think 
he has uh like the fluid enough fluid hip movement to uh you know beat uh corners on, on an island i do think he has the size to to run like a slant on a third and two but I don't think he's going to be uh, used like Travis Kelsey, per se. I think he's going to be more like a uh, – to me, it kind of reminds me a little bit of Delaney Walker, like that type of skill set. He's a little bit bigger than Delaney Walker, but he really wasn't, you know, like a dominant attack. But he, he can he can take over games uh, with his ability to, to catch the ball in the middle. So I know giving him a low fourth-round grade uh, just because I, I think – uh, there are some things about his game that I think don't necessarily translate that well uh, to the next level. I do think he he's going to be a bit of a developmental guy in terms of getting on the field because he's going to have to be a better blocker to get on the field. Devin, I'm, I've got one more that I want to share. I mean, obviously, I've got a few up on, on BlueChipsGadden.com, but here's one that, as we're recording, is not up on the site because I just finished it an hour ago or so. You guys know how much I love this player. Baylor linebacker Terrell Bernard. I waited to do his report. I wanted to see how he would play in the bowl game because uh, I knew he, w- he was going to be playing in it. I tell you, he waited to have his best game last. 17 tackles against uh, <laughs> Ole Miss. Had two sacks. I'm not going to get into specifics, but I mean, you've heard, you've heard me talk about it on here before. Range for days. Amazing as a blitzer. Uh, took a massive step forward in rushing the passer this year. Improved in coverage. Has a motor that never stops running. Devin, he is the highest graded player in the Big 12 right now. Yeah, he's, he's really good, man. Now, um, here's the no thing. Debating. I'm going to keep very hush on that because I want people at the end of the year to make sure that they download the Blue Chip Scouting dot com draft guide so you're gonna have to see how high he graded but i'll tell you he graded high and he earned it he was someone that we all loved coming into the year and he only got better this year he was healthy (laughs) for the most part at least he missed like one game due to due to the meniscus injury with uh oklahoma state and the defense didn't look the same without him and then when they faced them again in the big 12 championship game and he was there they had no answer for him yeah, yeah, he's, he's Any, a really good player. Anything else you want to talk about before we get on out of here? Nah, I don't think so, man. All right. Well, if, if that's the case, then that's going to do it for today's episode. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Mike H underscore Draft. You can find Devin at Real D underscore Jackson. You can find the show on Twitter at Big Shots Pod. Follow our work at Blue Chip Scouting. Follow Blue Chip Scouting at Blue Chip Scout. And we will see you all on Friday.